Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. We need systems that connect countries. We need interoperability. We've got that story plus digital fingerprints, but first, invitation for Ukraine to join NATO not to be discussed at the summit. This coming from Moscow's Interfax News, the participants in NATO's July 11th and 12th summit in Vilnius, Lithuania, will not discuss a possible invitation for Ukraine to join NATO, but will discuss steps aimed at bringing Ukraine closer to the alliance, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said made the statement at a press conference in Brussels last Friday following a meeting of NATO countries' defense ministers. One element is to move Ukraine closer to NATO in practical terms. That's the comprehensive assistance package, but not least the multi-year program to help them move from Soviet-era standards, doctrines, equipment to NATO standards, doctrines, and equipments, and to be fully interoperable with NATO. That'll take time. We've actually worked on that for many years, but the more we succeed in making Ukraine forces fully interoperable with NATO, the closer they come to NATO in practical terms. The other path, Stoltenberg said, is political. That we're now very close to finalizing the agreement to establish the NATO-Ukraine Council, and that will be something different than the commission, where 31 allies meet Ukraine. That will be the body of 32. 31 allies plus Ukraine equally sitting at the table with the same rights and the same possibilities to consult and to make decisions together if, if we find that's the right thing to do. And we will bring Ukraine closer to NATO in political terms, the NATO Secretary General said. It kind of seems like splitting hairs to me, James. The former sketch comedian posing as the leader of Ukraine, however, won't take chill out, not yet, for an answer. Antiwar.com reports Ukrainian officials are still pushing for a commitment on Kiev's potential NATO membership on the alliance's upcoming July summit in Vilnius, Lithuania. Ukraine and its more hardline NATO backers recognize that Kiev can't join the alliance while fighting a war with Russia, but want a promise on membership when the conflict is over. James? This is quite the story, isn't it? And I got to admit, I think that that formulation that Stoltenberg used there, how we can move Ukraine closer to NATO, pretty much tells the story. Isn't that kind of instructive? Because, of course, what have they been doing for the past 30 years? They've been moving NATO closer to Ukraine. Um, despite, of course, the super, I promise, Boy Scouts honor, well, we'll definitely not move one inch closer to the east. Don't worry. And then, of course, they spent 30 years doing precisely that. Um, but now they're talking about how, now that NATO is right on Ukraine's doorstep, how can we move Ukraine closer to NATO? Anyway, I know it's just an expression, but I think it reveals quite a bit. And of course, for people who do not understand the significance, the incredible, monumental, titanic what an interesting word in this day and age, isn't it? Significance of this story. Uh, at the bottom of that antiwar.com article, they put it in context to explain that Ukraine was first promised it would eventually become a NATO member at the 2008 Bucharest summit, but was never given a clear timeline. NATO made the commitment in 2008, even though then U.S. ambassador to Russia, William Burns, who now serves as CIA director, warned at the time in a cable released by WikiLeaks that Ukrainian entry into NATO was a major red line for Moscow. You don't say? Yeah, I think that is a major red line. So the stakes on this decision cannot be higher. That's why, of course, oh, it's not going to be an invitation. Don't worry, we're not we're not looking at that. We're just going to start a NATO-Ukraine council that includes NATO and Ukraine. But don't, Ukraine's totally not in NATO, guys. Don't worry. Meanwhile, 
In other incredibly apocalyptic news, Lockheed Martin's standing by to help Ukraine with F-16s. Hey, what could go wrong? And there's a, a recent article up on anti-war about this. Don't worry, Lockheed Martin says it's standing by to help Ukrainians fly and maintain F-16 fighter jets once NATO countries finalize their plans to provide Kiev with the aircraft. And they're talking about Netherlands, Belgium, and Denmark have already pledged that they will send uh, Ukraine their F-16s, but the arrangement hasn't been finalized. And again, for people who do not understand the significance of this, Gilbert Doctorow had a very important post up on this uh, quite recently about tactical nuclear weapons, latest news from Russia, talking about uh, a recent res- uh, uh, quote from uh, Putin in La Repubblica, the Italy's daily n- newspaper, who quoted him as saying that uh, fr- uh, Russia will destroy any NATO base that is u- being used to dispatch Ukrainian F Ukrainian F-16s. Why is that? As Dr. O goes on to explain in this, uh, the first F-16 scheduled to be supplied to the Ukrainian Air Force are from Belgium and Denmark and are all nuclear capable which is not a necessary feature of these planes, since the Russians are unable to determine what kind of munitions the Ukrainian F-16s will actually be delivering to the war zone, they must assume that they are carrying tactical nuclear bombs intended to be dropped on the Russian army troop concentration. And that's why Putin is freaking out about this. And that's why Biden came out recently to say, hey, you know, Putin might be serious about wanting to use nukes in, in this area. Dot, dot, dot. Why? Oh, because maybe because of these Ukrainian, Ukrainian F-16s that will soon be supplied by Lockheed Martin. Anyway, incredibly, incredibly important moves that are happening right now. And that isn't even necessarily the craziest news that has uh, taken place about NATO in recent weeks. What is the craziest news, you might ask? And I will respond by saying, well, that's what I'm writing about in the newsletter this weekend. So stay tuned for more on that. James, is that the same Lockheed Martin recently seen here in the States leading the Pride March Parade? The left now openly loves and embraces war so they can have Biden building bases, new new permanent bases in Syria, all just ridiculous. But no, they can just march in front of a parade and what, Pied Piper everybody along in the old two-party illusion here, James? I think I just landed on Community Chest. Uh, accounting error in my favor. Collect $6.2 billion. Sweet. Pentagon's Ukraine accounting error revised up to $6.2 billion. He thought it was just like $3 billion, but that's $6.2 billion for Ukraine. $6 billion for neo-Nazis. While they killed your grandma, destroyed your small business, traumatized and damaged an entire generation of kids, but they'll monitor your transactions over $600. But while they're, of course, laundering $6.2 million. By the way, James, next year is the 20th anniversary of Killdozer. If anybody wants to <laughs> mark, mark that on their calendar. And as I often say anymore in Media Monarchy, Media Monarchy is for entertainment purposes only. That's our first story on New World Next Week, episode 521. We move to, of course, the Money Masters, IMF working on Global Central Bank Digital Currency Platform. Grabbing this from Reuters, the IMF, the hated IMF. Remember all the Democrats smashing windows in Seattle and Starbucks and all that stuff? Yeah. The IMF is working on a platform for central bank digital currency, CBDCs, to enable transactions between countries. IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva said on Monday, CBDCs should not be fragmented national propositions. To have more efficient and fairer transactions, we need systems that connect countries. We need interoperability. 
So that's Stoltenberg saying interoperable, right, James? Now we've got Georgieva of the IMF saying we need interoperable, decentralized, God, no. For this reason at the IMF, we are working on the concept of a global CBDC platform. The IMF wants central banks to agree on a common regulatory framework for digital currencies that will allow global interoperability. Take a drink. Failure to agree on a common platform would create a vacuum that would likely be filled with cryptocurrency, she said. A CBDC is a digital currency controlled by the central bank, while cryptocurrencies, Reuters helpfully points out, are nearly always decentralized. Already, 114 central banks are at some stage of CBDC exploration, with about 10 already crossing the finish line. If countries develop CBDCs only for domestic deployment, we are underutilizing their capacity, she added. CBDCs could also help promote financial inclusion and make remittances cheaper. <laughs> James, that's, that's what they said about online banking and purchases. It'll, it'll be cheaper, you guys, than suddenly all the convenience fees and service charges that all have shown up. Oh, pay your rent online, and here's all the extra service charges. But it, it'll be cheaper. Georgieva stressed that CBDCs should be backed by assets and added that cryptocurrencies are an investment opportunity when backed by assets, but when they are not, they are a speculative investment. So we move to Coindesk.com, who report that central banks already successfully tested over 30 CBDC use cases, including offline payments. A joint experiment by central banks has tested ways to connect monetary authorities and the private sector to facilitate retail digital currency payments. The experiment saw the London Innovation Hub of the Bank for International Settlements, which groups the world's central banks, BIS, and the Bank of England to develop, guess how many? That's right, 33 Application Programming Interface Functionalities, API, to test more than 30 CBDC use cases, including offline payments. API software allows two or more computers, programs to communicate and share data with each other. That sounds like the internets. Project Rosalind looked at how an API layer could support a retail CBDC and facilitate safe and secure payments through different use cases, said the improbably named Francesca Hopwood Road, head of the Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub London Center in a press release. James, I couldn't find out why I tried to look around, and it seems like there's other organizations and science-based NGOs that are called Project Rosalind. So it was like a giant needle in the haystack. I couldn't find out why they named this Project Rosalind. I assume it's for some esoteric reasons, or maybe maybe they're just Shakespeare-as-you-like-it fans. James? Yeah, p- potentially, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have the esoteric occultic significance of Project Rosalind off the top of my head. But once we crack that code, we're going to have to crack the code of Project Polaris, Project Mariana, Project Icebreaker, Project Sela. Project Turbillion, Project Embridge, Project Dunbar, Project Helvetia, Project Jura, and Project Orem. And that's just the BIS projects on CBDCs that are currently underway. Of course, there's also Project Lion Rock Infanon between the uh, Hong Kong Monetary Authority and the Bank of Thailand. Or there's Project Aber between the UAE and the the Saudi uh, Arabian Monetary Authority. And... Literally dozens of others that I've seen. In fact, I can't, I, I, I'm not even looking for them, but I've seen dozens of these projects that are testing interoperability, testing the feasibility of retail CBDCs, testing the, the bank uh, functions, APIs, all of this stuff. 
So this, it, it strikes me as a couple of things going on here. One is the, the repetition of this kind of announcement. Hey guys, we're working on the interoperability problem. Here's this project that we're doing. It, it, it strikes me as like one of those kind of, hey guys, there's this brand new technology that has never existed before that we're going to tell you about today. And apparently you can take planes and spray things in the sky and it'll cause rain. It's called cloud seeding. It's this totally new thing that's only existed for 70 years. And every single time we ever report on it, we act as if it's some brand new, amazing technology you've never heard of. So uh, the repetition of this story is interesting. And I think it indicates to me that part of what is going on here is... It really just habituating and indoctrinating the public into this is coming, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming. So when it comes, hey, well, we knew it was coming, right? Uh, that's part of what's going on here. But I would like to think that people with two brain cells to rub together, even the sleepiest of the sleepy, would be able to recognize that there is a, a sort of a more fundamental problem with this idea that here we have this, you know, this uh, boring, filthy old cash by which we can go to a store and transact and buy something and go home with the product. Oh, but no, 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 no. We have to completely and totally rejigger and create this entirely new form of monetary system from the ground up that's going to require all of this billions of dollars in investment in infrastructure and experiments and all of this interoperability testing and teams of engineers in order to configure this entirely new way to go to the store and buy something. <laughs> Why? As as has been put more articulately than I can by Neil Postman, of course, amusing ourselves to death, uh, in 1998, he gave a, uh, a lecture under the title of Six Questions on Technology, in which one of the questions was... The question is this. What is the problem to which this technology is a solution? Now, this question needs to be asked because there are technologies that are not solutions to any problem that a normal person would regard as significant. Well, doesn't that exactly correspond to what we're seeing here? What is the problem to which these CBDCs are the solution? Because no normal person thinks there's some something so broken with the way we're buying things that we need to completely rejigger the entire monetary order from the ground up. No, 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 no. I'm happy going to the store and paying my cash and get, getting a product. That's fine. That works for me. But no, 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 no. We've got to completely re-engineer society. No, the, the problem that they're solving here is the problem of technocratic control. We want to be able to control every transaction in the economy in real time as it's happening. How can we do that? That is the question, or that is the problem which CBDCs are purporting to solve. It's not a problem that any normal person would regard as a significant one. And that's why it should be completely and utterly rejected from the ground up. There should be no no quibbling with this, no concession, no, no compromise or middle ground. No, no CBDC, period. We do not need it. That's the line in the sand. James, there was a song a few years ago by the late, great Trevor Moore called What Was Wrong With Swiping? Like, oh, now we have these chips that we have to insert. And then half the time, of course, it doesn't work at most of the crappy places anyway. So if you, you reference and quote Neil Postman, I'll reference and quote Trevor Moore, but also the late, great Mitch Hedberg paraphrasing, but something to the effect of when he bought a pack of gum. Oh, do you want a receipt? No, no, there's no need to get ink and paper involved in, in any of this. <sighs> in other related news, James BlackRock 
the hated BlackRock close to filing for Bitcoin ETF application and in other interesting news in the Sam Bankman fraud case, U.S. withdraws new charges. Federal prosecutors investigating the collapse of the FTX cryptocurrency exchange said, at least for now, they would withdraw several of the charges facing the company's founder, Sam Bankman Freed. Among those charges was a bank fraud count, as well as an allegation that Mr. Bankman Freed bribed a foreign agent. That is, of course, just one of the money laundering ops for Biden and McCain's neo-Nazis. Again, it's not the two, it's the two-party illusion, James. And you can already see it. I think I was angrily messaging you guys the other day. I can already see it. Oh my God, Tucker and RFK Jr., they're totes going to save us this time. Are you serious, you guys? Our third and final story. Speaking of saviors who are really going to just do great work. Obama proposes digital fingerprints on content to combat misinformation. Grabbing this from the fantastic ReclaimTheNet.org, former president, the man commonly referred to as Barack Obama, has floated the idea of implementing digital fingerprints to help the public differentiate between genuine and deceptive content online. It's the same idea that tech giants such as Microsoft and Adobe are lobbying for. Remember you used to own Audition and Photoshop and stuff? Now we get to rent it forever. In fact, Microsoft's president believes it should be illegal to remove such fingerprints. Speaking candidly on David Axelrod's podcast, Barry Satoro delved into what he sees as the urgency of employing tech solutions to combat deep fakes and false information. Obama underscored the imperative for people to become more discriminating consumers of news and information. Okay, I'm with you on that one, man. And for the tech world to innovate with watermarks or digital fingerprints so we know what is true and what is not true. The former president spotlighted the tendency of individuals to cherry-pick news sources based on pre-existing convictions. Uh, conditions? Oh, convictions. Making them susceptible to swallowing content hook, line, and sinker like hope and change, I'm going to close Guantanamo, crap like that. He gave a nod to what he called COVID-19 vaccine misinformation as a way to prove his point. Probably not the best example, of course, due to Obama's own entanglement with misinformation controversies, not the least of which including his support for Russiagate. J massive lies being exposed till still to this day with the Durham hearings here in the States. Yeah, we did it because we wanted to get Orange Man. We broke the law and lied and spied and rigged everything because we don't like that guy. And of course, the many statements pharmaceutical companies were touting about the COOF vaccine that turned out to not always be true. The understatement from ReclaimTheNet.org. James, I think it all comes together. Your fake healthcare, your fake money, and your fake internet, censored and devoid of anything real. I think we'll all be connected by a real ID, if you will. And it's really, what do they call it? Will they call it the internet driver's license? Will it be your New World Order license? I think a point may be made all the more scary and real by a quick headline. Amazon shuts down customer's smart home for a week after delivery driver claimed he heard a racist slur through the doorbell. Like our buddy Ryan at The Last American Vagabond said exactly what many of us have been warning about, and that applies in multiple ways to this situation. The technocratic lockout from your own home and devices that by itself should be enough. Then to add that this was all based on, of course, incorrectly perceived racism. James, are, are we going to win? <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, not if the response to my recent questions for Corbett along those lines is any indication. I must admit, I've never been so demoralized or disappointed in my audience by any response to anything I've ever done since the penultimate edition of Film Literature in the New World Order, which was the edition where I decided I am probably doing more damage than good by doing this series, so I'm going to stop doing it. So <laughs> I'll have to completely rethink what I'm doing and my whole purpose in doing the Corbett Report in the first place. But anyway, <laughs> having said that, um, with regards to this story number three, the digital fingerprints, once again, we could apply the postman question to this. What is the problem that is purported to be solved by this supposed solution? And in a sense, I'm not even, uh, okay, do digital fingerprints of my Who is Bill Gates documentary. Great, fine. And you'll find that every single clip that I use is a real clip of really, that. yeah, that's really Bill Gates really saying those things. And that, yeah, that's a real article that I really got from the real internet. And yeah, blah, 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 blah. You could check all of the information and find it to be 100% true. And it is it is where it purported to be com- coming from. So I don't know exactly what problem uh, supposedly we're dealing with here. But of course, I think it is the idea of seeding into the public consciousness like the CBDC story, seeding into the public consciousness that digital fingerprinting is coming. Conspiracy theorist James will point out, you know, I I think they've already got ways of doing that. When they revealed 20 years after the fact that, oh, by the way, you know, your printer has things embedded in it that uh, puts little micro dots with your printer serial number in it so they can tell where any piece of paper is printed from. But we'll reveal that to you many years down the road. In the same way, they're going to reveal many years down the road, you know, everything you've ever exported from Adobe... Premiere or Photoshop or whatever has this little microdot in it or whatever. I'm sure that's already exists, but the point is to seed it into the public consciousness so they're ready for it. Also, just seeding the idea of digital fingerprint, because as you and I know, eventually it is literally going to be the biometric scan to get on the internet. That That is where this is going, and I think that's the real digital fingerprint that we're staring down the barrel of that particular gun. So yeah, some really dark times ahead, and uh, it's going to be one hell of a wild ride. I mean, people have already, and this is the thing too, again, guns weren't put to people's heads to get them get to the Amazon Ring doorbell or buy the latest, newest Apple device. But now they can get locked out of their own device if their retina or their thumbprint doesn't doesn't let them in correctly. James, the minute you want to relaunch film literature in the New World Order, you you know who your who your willing co-host could be. That is New World Next Week, episode five hundred twenty-one. James, good thing you mentioned it right there. Who is Bill Gates? The DVD. We of course have that and many other Corbett Report documentaries for sale currently at newworldnextweek.com. And again, it's a perfect way to have physical media. Maybe buy a couple extra copies. Maybe donate them to the libraries in your community. That's, again, the perfect way to spread all this stuff out, James. They'll just keep trying to knock us off of their controlled platforms. But it's much harder to, of course, knock off a DVD that you physically possess and that you've given to your friends and your grandma and your uncles and your cousins. All that and more can be found at newworldnextweek.com. And, of course... The P.O. Box also supports our work. You have never heard an advertisement. You have never heard James and I shilling some snake oil device or quick fix or elixir. We mostly just try and give you our work, which is entirely free. But if it resonates with you, we need and, and can only survive on people's support. All my support options are found at MediaMonarchy.com slash join. I think I run the best damn radio station in alternative media at MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. Indeed, there it is. New World Next Week, episode 521, buddy. 
Awesome. I understand we will not be back next week or the week after, but I'll see you later in July, I guess. It's it's my turn to take a little take a little bit of time off. Uh, yes, I'll be taking off next week. We do our last Monday's hangout where Media Monarchy members only on the last Monday of the month. I don't do a broadcast, and we all kind of we hang out like you know the friends and family we used to be able to hang out with, James. And then of awesome. course the week after that is the big Fourth of July here in the states. So I generally take some time off right around then. So I appreciate you, man. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll be back with it in a few weeks, and I'm looking forward to it. James, thanks for these stories. Thanks so much, man. Take care. Take care.